take a pain pill. I'll take a pain pill. Wish a nigga take away the pain. Smoke a lot of cool. I smoke a lot of cool. Thinking I can blow away some pain. I'm sipping cold. I'm sipping cold. Wishing I could slow down pain. Everything. That's the best part of the song is the background when it goes in. Everything. Why can't they just book this already, man? Well, I don't know if Sam's <laughs> gonna listen to us a whole lot after this after this week's episode, so I don't know. Fuck it. I mean, I'm no fan of Sam. It's the anti Today <laughs> already. Hey, I'm no fan of Sam. It's the summer. This the son of Sam. I'm no fan of Sam. What's going on, everybody? You're now listening to Overly Medicated, a podcast dedicated to HBO's Euphoria, starting Zendaya. I am J5, here with Mark. Mark, move your camera down a little bit, man. Move my camera down a little bit? I'm sorry. Camera, your camera's weird. I can't, you know, we look at each, we see each other. There we go. There so, we so I've got, so I've got the FaceTime cam facing you, and then I have my actual, my Logitech facing up there, so it's a little bit off. Okay. Okay. All right. So I, I was like, "What's going?" On? Mark only wanted me to. No, see I don't want to show you. I don't want to show you my chest, and I don't want to show you the the, the 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 lower regions. I don't want to keep the theme too crazy to episode seven. <laughs> What's going on, Mark? How you feeling, bro? How's your week? I'm doing good, man. Very big weekend. All Star Game is literally right behind me right now. There's a lot of a lot of things, a lot of fun that happened this weekend going into President's Day today. So I feel good. I'm so sorry that I'm uh, interrupting. Um, that I'm interrupting this. I know you and Jeff RSPN had their own thing, but this duty calls, it's been two years. So they got to understand. Yeah. The, it, the folks it, at RSPN got to understand. I think, I think the RSPN faithful will understand. We're going to, we're going to cover a little bit tomorrow about Curry's historic night that he's having as Cleveland clearly pissed him off tonight. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll have, we'll have plenty to say about that on Tuesday. <laughs> you say you're going to boo me, nigga. <laughs> he damn near everybody. He got to drop 50 plus. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So we, we got a lot to talk about. And I think this, this season is interesting. First season, you don't really hear too much about behind the scenes. You hear a bunch of the accolades. You hear Drake saying, hey, man, I knew from the beginning. Zendaya, oh, man, these scenes are hard to do. <clears throat> Everybody else on the, on the show, oh, man, we we having a blast. These mm-hmm. are my sisters. These are my brothers. We miss each other even after the season. <laughs> we miss each other. Can we, also, crazy. can we also talk about us during season one? Like you, uh, you and I are moods during season one. Wasn't it just jovial? Yeah, it was jovial. It was like, damn, I can't believe this shit happened. I think from Carnival <laughs> episode one, I think we had one, like episode seven, this would be this, the episode, like I call this week's episode kind of a bridge episode. It's a bridge episode. I mean, not too much is revealed, not too much is, is new or given. It's from one person's perspective, this whole episode, pretty much, other than a couple other scenes. Nothing really pops off, you know what I'm saying? Other than just the, you know, the big event ha- that happens here, it was just a bridge episode. So this would be the equivalent of last uh, two years ago on season one, when Jules goes to Chicago or something like that, I believe that was the episode that predate preceded the the finale yeah. for Halloween, and then the next, and then she comes back. <clears throat> so it was kind of you know it was what it was. So I, I I think that we were definitely happy throughout the whole season. It was it was a it was on a, a high kilter for the whole season where it was like yo. We, we fucking with it now. This is just up and down, up and down. I think I pretty much. And I don't know if this is a bad or a good thing. I've called a lot of the things that have happened this season. I've yeah. called it. Yeah, we were not only are we getting tested, but I think you have started to realize, okay, this thing is happening here. They're probably going to want to do this, or else this shit is veering off the tracks. And then we get a little yeah. bit of it. 
and it ends up being great. And then I think that's what and well, I mean, it's it's not a one hundred percent cause and effect of what happened tonight, but it's almost like, and I do bring this up as we talk about our other RNC pods, we talk about um, the A show as well. A show had an amazing weekend. I think a lot of people did revel in the fact that through Bianca Belair winning, going to WrestleMania, the hashtag let it play out crowd ended up eating this weekend. Shout out to the LIPC or LIPO, excuse me. Um, Lipo. The Lipo. Yeah, the Lipo crew. There we go. So there's Lipos in euphoria that probably hear a lot of the critique, the disdain, uh, the things that people are really not liking behind the scenes. It's looking dark for the lipo for a euphoria. I'm gonna just tell you this right I don't know. now. This might have been this might have been a good week for the lipos. No, what what was played out? What what happened this episode? They, I know a lot of we people, we actually got a good fucking episode. We actually got a good fucking episode this week. I think at full, at surface level, lipos can eat off the fact that we got some good shit this week. There, you could argue that it's good. I'll say it's a good episode. I'll also say that it's a hard episode to recap this week. It's just this is a hard episode to recap. Yeah, it really is. It's it's a hard one to recap because. So much of it is displaced time-wise. I am not, and I'll say this, you know, later, I'm not sure that a lot of this stuff even works within the confines of this extremely overpriced play. But to be fair, like, I, I don't know about next week. There's a lot to wrap up. We know season three is on the way. Mm-hmm. But there's also some some discourse to be had. So we've been covering this for about four weeks, five weeks now, about the behind-the-scenes stuff. Started yep. with Cat. What did I say that week? I said, well, there's smoke, there's fire, right? Yep. I said that. And every single week, we kept seeing it billowing out the house. Every single week as, as this show kind of went down. And, you know, the stands had some things that they knew. Some beefs that happened that was going on behind the scenes. Then, right on our laps, this week, The Daily Beast. Want to know the title? Inside Euphoria Season 2's messy behind-the-scenes drama from San Levinson to Barbie Ferreira storming off. Biggest show on TV, over 8 million in current every single week. Big number, I gotta say. Mm-hmm. But there's some issues going on. that I said this before. I was like, these leaks was too crazy for it to just be... <laughs> too direct? It was too crazy for it to just be just some bullshit. Yep. It was too direct. Whole episodes was leaking, bro. Where it, I was like, we know what's going on. It and was it, too direct. And it's been that way for a while, right? You said, hey, I read up until episode five. I'm not going to tell you what's happening, Mark, but I'm just going to let it ride out and realize that, yeah, we might not like some things that are coming. Then I heard, then I saw six, seven, eight. And remember, notice I didn't say, well, I didn't say much about seven. Mm-hmm. I said a lot about six last week. Yep. I was like, oh, six is going to be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Eight is going to be another one. But let's talk about this article. <clears throat> it talks about a lot of, uh, talks about a lot of shit. But when you, where, where, where do we want to go here? Do we gonna, you want to talk about Minka Kelly and what she said? Or do we going to do this? Because there's a lot of shit that came out that's just having people look at this shit different. We want to talk about Chloe Cherry playing Faye and, and how she got the job. <laughs> this, this is nuts. Let's this talk Sam's nasty. I think let's start off with um, 
a pretty easy introduction into where we are going with our story. We kind of touched about it last week, didn't really go too far into detail because we were kind of like on a speculation end of it, but now we're getting a whole lot more reports that are actually feeding a lot more of these quotes. So we cannot pass forward into this week's overly medicated before we touch on this. How did we view Sam Levinson before season two, before all of this started coming out? I had seen some of his work before. Um, I had seen what's the first thing that I had seen from from Sam Levinson? Um, the A twenty four film. I had seen what had I what had I seen from him? I'd seen Assassination Nation for sure. This mm-hmm. is someone had told me to watch that. Now it's his twenty eighteen uh, thing. I know he had another movie called uh, uh, Another Happy Day, I believe. Uh, he was a writer on a, on a show called wizard of lies that was on HBO. Mm-hmm. Obviously it was about, um, it was about Bernie Matt, uh, Madoff and he was a writer on that. So okay. it was like before euphoria, it, w- it wasn't much of this, but he was, he's always kind of la- laid in, in this kind of this, this position where, where he is sort of like, and I mean, he's got another, he's got another, like, he's got another fucking screenplay coming up with Ben Affleck and his ex-girlfriend Anna the Armist. Like he's been a writer for a while and, mm. and that, that Ben movie's coming out later. So like I had felt that he was someone who had a really good vision. And I think a lot of people say that he's someone that had a very good visual taste and has a very good visual taste, but he tends to, you know, when he takes on everything himself, like assassination nation, it gets muddled, loves working with women, loves having these kind of male gaze moments. Cause that's, that's an assassination nation as well. Okay. And it, like I would, I would task you. I know it's not on your queue. I don't know if you'll be able to get to it next week. By next week, I think it's on Hulu right now. But Assassination Nation is is a movie that visually is amazing, screenplay wise, storyline wise, plot wise, writing, all of that, fucking terrible. It's a bad movie for all intents and purposes. It, it's it's really bad. So it's like I see a lot of that stuff come out of him. I don't know how he was so subdued in season. Well, season one was kind of crazy too, but it was still kind of subdued. Yeah. It was still very, it was very, very, very honest. And, and and I thought very, like, in a lot of ways, real to these characters. And I think that there were some scenes in this episode, episode seven, that brought me back to how I felt watching season one. Sure. But I feel like he gets tripped up on his on, on his own shit. And I, and I feel like he's definitely enabled at this point to continue doing this shit. So that's how I felt about him. But um, this particular article talks about a lot of things. Um, obviously, the leaks that happened. Uh, but they, one of the quotes said the messy characters and shows overall mayhem, not to mention the gratuitous nudity have been amped up this season, which some view as creator and directors, uh, Sam Levinson's d- tendency to favor chaos and admittedly gorgeous shots over meaningful character or plot development. Hashtag is a cap. Is it cap? Hashtag is, is a cap. Let's look at what he we have. He's, he's shown us who he was. I, I mean, I, that's, that's why I was like, who, who told him no in season one? So adding fuel to the fire is a persistent rumor about tensions between some cast members and Levinson, specifically Barbie Ferreira, who allegedly butted heads with Levinson over some elements of the direction of her character. The talks are said to have gone south with Ferreira allegedly walking off set and Levinson cutting back her screen time. These strains were also referenced by the Euphoria leaker who claimed that HBO wasn't all that pleased with the direction the season had headed. And I'm going to tell you this success or not. If the, if the big wigs are not happy, there's going to be changes. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's successful. It, it, they're, if they're not happy with how this went, that's that's not that's not uh, icing on the cake for Sam. 
That's more like this happened in spite of the, the shit that we heard, and we can't have this shit no more. And I think I had um, asked you. I think I had asked you while this report ended up coming out, and we get the names that we're going to get to as far as who ended up discussing their time filming for season two. I had asked, "Hey, man, these things ramp up. If these things get even more hot, what happens to season three of Euphoria?" And you had said, "Well, it's already ordered. It's already bought by HBO." So there is no stopping season three, but HBO can be a whole lot more hands on based on any reports that come from now until the date that we get for season three euphoria. Yeah. I mean, you think of the reviews it's gotten, it has not been a critical darling as it was the first season. And that's mm-hmm. just, and I've been saying this publicly and, and, and all that it hasn't been like, the craziest reviews or the people that enjoyed it the most. Like it's like the, those early reviews. I, I, I read every single one of them and I said, Oh no, this doesn't sound good at all. But this daily beast article really kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, leads credence to a lot of the stuff. They talk about cat screen time being largely scaled back as she flails about in her relationship with Ethan and her characters transmorgified into a vindictive, uncaring narcissist. Uh, there was a recent article with, with the cut, uh, obviously a really beautiful article, Whereas Zendaya, you know, Zendaya said, who's, who's an executive producer? She says, there were some things that we had for season two uh, that, that worked and that didn't, but some of the stuff that didn't work needed to die, she says. I said, that's odd. But even odder is, 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 uh, is Barbie's uh, quote about it, where she says, Kat's journey this season is a little more internal and a little mysterious to the audience. She is secretly going through a lot of existential crises. She loses her marbles a little bit, just like everyone else this season. The theme is everyone's gone a little bit crazy. I don't know if I got that's, that from Kat. That's never, that's not, because it's not what's, ha- I feel like whenever this was was done, she was doing her PR shit, and then he did what he had to do, cutting her out. Yeah, existential she, crisis, I did not feel that at all. There was one episode, she had one. That was episode two. That was it. When she had her her moment and her scene that ends up being rebellious. I don't know if I got existential crisis from that. I, I she seemed to hold very, very stressed out on a lot of the things that was feeding her, but not like, why am I here? What am I doing? So on and so forth. When it came to breaking up with Ethan, that could have been navigated probably even more if that was true going towards that. But we got the silliness that came through last week of her trying to break that off. And then it just ended up looking bad. Never followed up on either, by the way, not followed up on this, this episode nope. at, all um she's even more guarded in another feature they they, that's brought up in in the daily beast where she says she's more good that you know they they mentioned she's more guarded about cash trajectory she says that i think people might be a bit surprised um i think i think what she believed in in terms of her being confident was a facade that she didn't even really believe in and i said what (laughs) so these are two different quotes about her trajectory where she's saying two different things Hmm. odd Clocked out. Clocked out. Yeah. Ready for that. Ready for that note. A Daily Beast spoke with a handful of production sources who claimed that Ferreira indeed walked off the set at least two times, not including the time that she had to be helped off after she slipped and fell twice, twisting her ankle during the filming of episode four's hot tub puking sequence. (laughs) So Cassie vomited. She tried to she tried to scamper and disappear. That ankle said nope. Just a dumb scene altogether. You could have got a double for that. For yeah. those, these are your principal actresses. Yeah, you got to protect them. Like it's, it's just crazy. Even crazier. Uh, this this article goes deep. All right. So, uh, 
For Ferrera was they say that she was far from the only one that had issues with the season's production. One of the main bones of contention was the gruelingly long workdays that could stretch anywhere from 15 to 17 hours. Not unheard of, but pretty unheard of on a show like this that does not have crazy set. This isn't like a Marvel movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is a crazy on-set thing. Like it's not unheard of to have long nights. But not to what they're describing here in, in this article. They, they detail how Levinson rarely came to set with a shot list, a detailed account of every camera shot the director wants during scenes. It helps keep production running smoothly and was often factored into the long set days. My nigga, this is director shit number one to have a shot list of what you want to get before that happens. Imagine you show up and it's like, hold on, sit in your outfits, sit in the hot tub for this scene while I figure out where I want to shoot you from. <laughs> That's insanity. So is, is, like, that, is never, that just pure freestyling at that point? I've never seen anything or heard. Is that what? Is that just pure freestyling at that point? Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know what that I that that's crazy. So they also talk about the the New Year's Eve party scene. They cl- they claim that that was hellish as films filming stretched out for over a week and only occurred at night. Uh, you know, uh, Maude Apatow, who plays Lexi, obviously, she um, she said, we shot all night, so we shoot, we start at 6 p.m. and go until the, whenever the sun would rise, 5 a.m. We were so tired. Jacob Elordi, <laughs> who plays Nate. He was less diplomatic. The thing is, we do it for so long. We shot that party for over a week, so very quickly. It's like being in hell. It's like being in a party that you don't want to be in at all, and you can't wait to leave. And that's... Just, those listen. are the lesser parts compared to uh, some other quotes that we ended up seeing from uh, Levinson's directing, let's say. Uh, absolutely. Um, so the biggest thing we'll hear was, and listen, we we rag on the, the McKay thing. We kayfabe it. We kind of, you know, we fake it. It, it is what it is. You is know, it kayfabe? That, hey, man. I say it's kayfabe. It's gone, kayfabe. man. It's, college, it's, man. It's, it's kayfabe, man. You know, it, it's, it's kayfabe. Like, I, I don't hate you know what I'm saying? I don't hate. I don't hate that shit, man. <laughs> so the McKay, the McKay hate was on cap. I hate the character. I don't hate the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> here's the thing. I still feel like the McKay. We needed something like a McKay in this season. Let's just be clear. Let's be honest. We needed somebody to rag on. There hasn't been a lot for us to rag on other than the writing. That's what. That's yeah, what. That's when the excitement was high. When the excitement was high in episode one, we were like, "Yeah, fuck this nigga. Go back to college." Hey, I'm all for dark going in dark places, you know, but there's no levity this season. This isn't the fucking, this isn't a, you know, this, McKay was an important part to this. This was Nate's best friend, Cassie's ex-boyfriend. And he's, he's nowhere near this. So they talk about Algie Smiths, um, who, who was on, and let's be clear, like he's the only black male on the show. Yeah. The only one. So we're not and seeing Quantrell again. I didn't realize it until I was reading this. I was like, damn, there are no black men on this shit. It said, by season two, McKay is a ghost, only popping up during the New Year's Eve party where Nate crassly tries to goad him into spilling intimate details about his relationship with, with, with Cassie. Fans begin to question why McKay was virtually non-existent, which prompted them to uh, to pretty much ask the guy. I thought, I thought it was funny that they actually they, they reached him out. Uh, but, but HBO declined to comment on why. And then they, they, there was something about the vac- his vaccination status. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know I about don't that. Remember. Yeah, I think that would have leaked pretty. Uh, I think that would have been out pretty early. Yeah. But he actually spoke to the Daily Beast, which is funny because I, I feel like he's pretty much like, fuck it. This this was hell for me, too, because I'm pretty sure he was at that party scene. And he says, I'm 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 not even really sure, to be honest with you. I think that's the question we're going to have to ask Levinson to see where he sees it going. 
we haven't even gotten that far of the conversation, uh, him and myself on this actually. And I guess they never did because he's he he doesn't look like he's showing off for for uh the season finale yep. as well. Crazy. I mean, even bigger than this. Beside this, uh, Minka Kelly's been doing the rounds on for press for Euphoria. Talks about uh she the first scene that she had with with uh, Maddie for the show was literally was last episode scene where she and Maddie were in the pool. She says that Sam wanted her to be t- wanted her to be naked, and she said, "You know, I don't feel right doing this. I haven't been around them. These people have been filming with each other for over two years at this point, and I'm new. I don't want I don't want to do that." Can we? And he said, "Okay." <laughs> he the, said, okay one of the small positives is it doesn't seem like he's battling anybody on their pushback, but it's very well warranted pushback because what benefit would have come from last week? being topless in front of your babysitter at the pool? Like, why? Well, I was noticing, because, and, and it also is interesting because they filmed that scene clearly before they filmed the other scenes from earlier this season where she was at their house and she shows up and stuff like that. But I had felt like, and it was in my notes, but I didn't bring it up because I, I just felt like there was just other bigger things to talk about. There was this weird sexual tension between Samantha and Maddie that I thought yeah. was like really weird. And I was like, wait, what? Why is she asking her to do it, the way it was shot was very, very sleazy, right? And um, I thought that it was like, okay, that was weird, but this kind of confirms where he wanted to go with it. If she wanted her yeah. to be naked, he wanted mm-hmm. it to be some nasty shit. He a nasty nigga. Because that was the unzip my... There's the, 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 the unzip me part. There's the unzip me part, and you don't really put too much in the thoughts of, okay, where is this going to be leading? But if it would have stayed clear to what Sam wanted, Sam would have been topless last week. In front of Maddie, which would have been really weird because that's a 17-year-old girl, and clearly Samantha's a whole lot older than that. And then who knows where that goes after this? You know where it would have went. Let's get into this episode. So, uh, <laughs> Sam, you got a lot of explaining to do. You a nasty nigga, man. I mean, the, but actually, before before we even get into that, one last thing before we even get into that, there was a there was somebody on Twitter that ended up responding to you. As you started bringing out this report, giving your opinion on it, he said, hey, man, when you have Sidney Sweeney and Zendaya in your corner, there is no L. I have the two strongest people in the show that are saying, well, I talked to him and he scaled back my stuff. And Zendaya is like, well, we kind of had to cut certain things about that. When you have those two names backing you up, it's hard for anything within those past few minutes that we have just read to get a large enough heat for things to be bad, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I, I people won't look at it this way <clears throat> because she's, she's beloved and, and she should be, she is beloved. She's a great, she's a great actress. I think a lot of it probably got to do with her too. It could, it, it, it could be exactly the big title. I think a lot of it got to do with her too. So has she had a lot of this before but, outside of Malcolm and Marie. No, but this Malcolm Marie is where they started to give her a lot of control. Yeah. And we saw how that movie turned out. Mixed reviews all over. And now we see how season two is turning out. Mixed reviews all over. So mm-hmm. let's get into episode seven of Euphoria uh, right after this. Made that music. I'm not a star. Somebody lied, I got a pistol in the car. A 45, if I died today, remember me like John Lennon. Buried in Louis, I'm talking all brown linen. Make all of my bitches tattoo my logo on their titty. Put a statue of a nigga in the middle. 
Ah, that's what Lexi said this episode. Come on, man. Key Ross. Key Ross, man. Somebody lied, man. I'm not a star, bro. Episode seven. Episode is called The Theater and It's Double. It's a reference to the book of the same name by French playwright Antonin Artaud. Have you ever read this book? (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Don't even. Don't even. (laughs) Big episode. It's episode seven. I I said it uh, before the break. Uh, Very much a bridge episode uh, between this and the season finale. Um, I... I enjoyed it for what it was. It had a a lot of um it had a lot of scenes that I felt um reminded me of the old Euphoria. That first 15 minutes, I was like, man, this is this is how groundbreaking this show used to be. And and then like like clockwork mark, 30 minute mark. I'm looking at, I'm looking at my watch. What are we, what are we doing? <laughs> what where are we going with this play motif? Where are we going with the play motif? Please make it make <laughs> Okay. What what in the beginning? What in the beginning reminded you of the old euphoria? I'll ask that. The I, I thought that it was interesting in the way that obviously the way that it was shot, but the the earnestness of it, the the honesty of it, where you saw you got to see something from somebody else's side. This almost could have been a Lexi background episode sure. in a way. And and just the honesty of it, the earnestness of it, I felt like it was very much back to how it had calmed the bullshit down. And then I, when I realized that the play would be the framing device for a whole episode and not the scene, like the play should have been where every episode we see Lexi getting the actors, getting the actresses, um, writing the script, getting the, the, like we know nothing about this play. So when we see the play, it's like, we, it's like we're the first, it's, it's Obviously, our first time seeing this, but it shouldn't be because it would have. It, it's still Lexi step stepping in to re, um, to regurgitate plot points that we already know. Mark, mm-hmm. what about this was revealed that we didn't already? We saw, we saw, we saw at the at the funeral scene what Rue had told her. We had already seen that last episode. We know she knows about something, and we'll, and we'll get to it in the recaps and stuff. But it's like, what about what was revealed this episode that we didn't know? It's just that we got to see it. But without Rue narrating, but but Lexi narrating it herself, a much better narrator, I will say, in regards to yeah. a lot of this, because we clearly saw Lexi's reaction to taking drugs for the little shotgun that she actually did have. So it doesn't feel as scattered and put into different areas that Rue does. She usually puts things into different places of her mind. We get them five minutes later while another portion goes 40 minutes down the road. It felt like Lexi's was a little bit more centered because she remembered mm-hmm. a lot of things that Rue told her. A lot of important scenes that she had between Rue when that friendship was really nice and strong. Who knows where it is now? I feel like that is a pretty big question mark in season two because like how we had in season one doesn't really feel anything compared to how it does now until we got these areas of how we kind of got there but do you feel like do you feel what i'm saying when i say like this play was just something that yeah we knew it was coming mm-hmm. but we didn't know we the whole ep- i thought this was going to be a 15 20 minute thing t- this was the whole hour i didn't i you feel what i'm saying like it felt like it was just kind of just like oh here it is like it wasn't built to at all. It was this was the episode. It was weird. Yeah, they kind of they kind of teased it throughout different trailers and saying, "Hey, uh, yeah, it's coming. 
when they say, hey, here's what's going to happen in episode five. Here's what's going to happen in episode six. Here's that episode seven. That Lexi shot of her smiling in that camera was something that was given to us for the past couple of weeks. Her screaming, hey, it's time to fucking go, was given to us for a couple of weeks. But we would not have known that this was something that was going to dominate the entire episode. And it's great. I Now that you say that, I do kind of think about what if this entire season was more centered towards that play. That's something that's actually interesting. We knew it again. I, I keep going back to the carnival episode and in terms of how writing is emergent and, and, and makes sense and builds to something that episode five from, from, from season one was built to, we knew it was coming. We knew all these people were going to be in one space and they fucking knocked it out the park. This was like, this season has had a bunch of carnival moments. Or at least but they have not, yeah, they have not attempt. They have not hit it. The, they've, they've not made the mark here. So, Episode opens on Lexi. I say in my notes, episode opens on Lexi and the play we've really seen no planning of <laughs> in my notes right there. Uh, episode opens on an overture. And I said, they're being very cute by giving us the one minute overture. Like, I get it. We get it. The play is starting. You don't need to have a minute of this. Uh, we flash back to Lexi at Rue's father's wake. Uh, young Cat and Maddie, very, very fucked up. They had them that. Like, <laughs> I was like, all right, bro. <laughs> That was crazy. But it was the thing that the the play does something strange and that's why i say this is a hard episode to recap because it plays with time it plays with actors and actresses i feel like it's very you feel like you're on again it gives me whiplash because it's like there'll be moments where you see one character and then they'll be fake or they'll be real or there'll be another person and stuff yep. like that and it's very odd the way that they, that they did that i don't i know it's a stylistic a stylistic thing. I don't think it was a very smart stylistic decision in a lot of ways, especially in certain ways where it's like, I'm tr- certain people are trying to understand what you're trying to say here. And we don't know if it's Lexi trying to say it. We don't know if it's actual plot or what, but um, we, we see that throughout here. And, and again, like, what did you think of the framing of just in terms of just like this whole episode bouncing us around different parts of life? Some of it being shot was cool, but then I ended up texting you and I said, yeah, real Cassie talking to Nate and then fake Cassie walking through the high school with him while real Maddie and real Cat are judging it kind of threw me off. I I wasn't sure if there was something that I'm actually missing in that piece. And even though they're trying to show like different parallels, I was confused as to why the fake Cassie has to walk with real Nate in that area but they're showing different portions of the play of how all of this can kind of all gel into one another and i don't know how well that would have been received to everybody yeah we get to lexi who reads uh, let this darkness be a bell tower um to a really good really good piece um camera zooms out into the play really cool shot it's a recreation of that night <clears throat> rue's in the audience she seems to be not using, she seems, you know, she's not as haggard as she usually yes, looks. Thank God. It, it even looks foreign, damn near, seeing Rue enjoying something, hopefully sober. So, um, we see Rue in the audience. She's seated across from Jules, uh, one, one, one row over. They, they glance at each other throughout the episode. It's not really, I, I saw it, but I didn't keep much, much stock in it. I mean, it is sure. what it is. This is, a, this is a bridge episode. We knew we're not, we, they weren't going to do anything this episode. That capper boy, I swear. <laughs> Lexi narrating this, I say this is green as hell, but they do interesting framing in terms of uh, just in terms of Grace is Lexi, Hallie is Cassie, Marta is is Maddie, uh, Luna is Kat, and Jade is Rue. That J- that that Rue actress boy, I'm telling you, <laughs> that's like if you order was Zendaya. That the, was it the one that upset you? <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> I looked at the fake cat. I like, oh. man, they did cat green, bro. Was this a Craigslist ad that they put out? <laughs> where you where you find her? What's her? Do she got a sad card? Let's get to the play just in general, okay? 
How much the fuck was this play? How much money was it? They got some, I, they got some money, man. You got revolving stages, niggas coming from out the sky, <laughs> whole fucking set changes, a whole rooftop, a corner store that they built, a fucking, how much was this fucking play, man? And on top of that, they only, for the most part, as far as stage directors, they got Maddie and Bobby going, nigga, turn on that light before I fucking yeah. kill you. Yeah. Not, not talking about, uh, not, not talking about. Not talking about like, okay, nigga, get the set right. Make sure the lighting's on the set correctly. Who built the who built the roof? Make sure the roof is up. Are you guys building this? Did it fall apart? Who's got the wiring to get cat to get to get Hallie down? What all this shit? I'm like, what how, how much is this shit? <laughs> this is the motherfucking the the avatar of school plays. This is the motherfucking I don't even know. I've never seen a school play look like this with a script and all of this shit. This seemed like it was a Broadway shit. I know. Listen, I, I have to say this every week. I know this show is off over the top. <laughs> I know it is. I know it is. But in season one, Mark, if, t- tell me if you feel me. There was some level of groundedness in this. In this play, I'm like, all right, so this school better have all the arts programs. It better have the best D1 football. It better have the best basketball. It better have hockey. You think, they're honor, you think their honor programs are hitting? They, niggas, are, niggas are complaining they barely see backpacks in this damn school. Yeah. For a free ride all the way into college any college you want to go to <laughs> this, this, this better be the biggest if we're to believe that this school is in the valley <laughs> come on my nigga there, there are schools that don't have that don't have sports and music programs for their kids and you let Lexi Howard do a $90,000 school play <laughs> with a complete choreography in this shit I keep putting in my notes how the fuck much is this how much is this what the fuck? My one complaint, I, I, will, I, will, I, won't even, I won't even say complaint because complaint gets negative connotations. The critique that I had was I'm actually surprised that they let sex scenes like that, especially ones that were as explicit as Cassie and Nate, ride off in a high school play. But here's the thing. We don't know if that's really what was happening in the play because it's, it, it, the, the way that Sam frames it, it's that it's like, we're seeing it through Lexi's eyes because she saw it as a as mm. you know herself, but it's in the play too. So it's like we don't know what it is because one one thing the only time we've ever heard of the buildup of this play is when she's on the phone with fucking Fesco, and we still don't know what's going on. So when they show the audience, that could be figurative, as far as yes. Cassie and Nate doing all because they could be doing it for audience. Goddamn, yeah, that might I don't be more. I don't think they put a sex scene in that shit, or at least I don't know if they did because Sam doesn't give you any, any clue as to when the reality starts and ends. Yeah. Cause it's all it's, mixed up. It's all mixed up. That's not a good way. And I, and I talk about recap just you know, as a, <clears throat> you know, someone who takes notes and we're doing a podcast on it, but it's like, even just as a, as a, as a basic level understanding of this, it should not be this fucking <laughs> does that speak towards Lexi as a narrator? Because clearly she's not on drugs, but as she references in the entire episode, she is really in her head when she gets to it. No, because it's true, and we see the cast reacting to it throughout yeah. the whole episode. All of this stuff is true, so that's the thing that's like, okay, it's true, but how she obviously wouldn't have been in there when they were having sex, so it can't be a real scene because she wasn't there when Cassie and Nate were having sex. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Or certain scenes where where these characters would have no. They wouldn't tell her this shit. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot of like outward talking about this. I'm not really getting into the recap here because honestly, I'm going to be real. Like it's not, it's a lot of stuff that we've seen already. So it's like, 
we see that Les, Lexi's been talking to Fesco every day. He's warning her that the play is a little bit too close to home. Uh, Lexi's worried about Cassie's reaction, but she still has to invite her, invite her there. There goes Elliot in the in the stands. He's if you wanted to believe that Elliot is a ghost thing, <laughs> this is the this is the time. Hey, are they eating? Is Elliot is a ghost? Is the Elliot is a ghost team eating right eating this week? That let it play out, team. <laughs> the Elliot lipos. <laughs> Listen, Team Figment. Of <laughs> team Figment. <laughs> nah, Team Figment is in the ground forever after they said Rue's dead. And she's there hey, in the whole thing. <laughs> the way this play was shaking out, Elliot, Elliot shows up like it was Biggie in the I'll Be Missing You video, bro. <laughs> I'm like, bro, who is he? He's, who is he sitting by? Am I implying that with shoes and cool Elliot? They're not cool each other. The the thruples broken up, but it's like, yo, we don't. Mark, give me my fucking flowers. He's a walking plot device. (laughs) I will be shocked shocked if this nigga makes it to a season three. Hey, they showed they showed him in the finale preview. I was strumming that goddamn guitar again. I said, nigga, your time is up, nigga. It might be like Ghost with Patrick Swayze. That nigga <laughs> he ain't there. He ain't there, bro. He ain't there. Oh, Dominic. That's I find, it hard, I find it hard to believe this nigga will be around on our TV screens come 2023, 24, whenever <laughs> comes back. Ethan's playing Suze. I thought that was cute. <clears throat> I say on my notes, this play is way too high budget. This is literally the first time I commented <laughs> on my notes. Lexi's bossing up. Uh, then we get to Fe- Let's, there's there's big broad strokes here. I think I really like the the, the Fezco stuff in this, this um in this episode. The tension's building. Custer comes over. Faye knows the deal from last episode. He said that he's co op. Are you cooperating? And he's and he's like, yeah, something like that. Are you cooperating with the federal government? <laughs> yeah, man. What do you mean? Wait, what do you mean, man? So, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, 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 um, the tension builds in this, in, in this episode with Fez getting ready for the play. He says he's going to be front row. He can't miss it for the world. He's getting dressed, face steaming it. Happier times. Custer walks in. It gets kind of uneasy. Ashtray's uneasy. Uh, Custer puts a phone down on the table that's recording. I'm like, nigga, it's only so much you can record on iPhone. <laughs> you have to get that nigga real close. He got to be real close in the room with you, nigga. You should have just. Is that a is that a better alternative to a wire? This nigga didn't think this through. Uh, I mean, if he did, he kind of wears. I I feel like I feel like they would have felt wire pretty early. But then again, you're just dropping the iPhone on the table and you're trying to drewski it and put your camera to the side with the so shit hey, like y'all. this and try to yeah. Hey man, what y'all what 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 y'all what y'all doing tonight, man? What y'all doing tonight, <laughs> man? With the phone out, I gotta watch the the drewski skit of where he's where he's uh, undercover. Um, this play to me is a lot about Lexi's insecurities as she grew up and seeing how people like Maddie, people like Cassie, people mm-hmm. like Rue could help shape someone who is not like them into the person that they become. Because a lot of this is how their actions affected her. And the big thing is that there's certain broad strokes here where she talks about, you know, Cassie, you know, went through puberty a lot earlier than me. So if she's this much older than me, by the time I'm her age, I'll do this. And she has this fantasy that it's going to happen and it doesn't happen. And Cassie only gets bigger and she gets the relationships that she wanted. She gets the things that she wanted in her life. Mm -hmm. And we get to a point where uh, Cassie gets a whole damn makeover and she looks like Maddie. She walks past Maddie and Maddie says, well, she certainly looks the part. 
and I was like, that was that was a, that was a good part. Uh, hey, cat, there you go, right there, just in the background as you usually are. Um, but then you get to another flashback here, and this is where it gets blurred with the timeline, where you see young Lexi and Cassie with the braces and shit. That was a weird scene to me. I'm not gonna lie to you. It gets back to that male gay shit. Niggas, weird niggas love girls and 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 you know infant and infantilizing them making and them braces and all that is in the pigtails i was like y'all could have got somebody else to do that that was actually that age because that's like a that's that's just weird to me i don't like when they do that to women didn't they the didn't, didn't they have um didn't they have a younger cassie and lexi during the first cassie uh uh in in the the the, the lineage piece that we saw in season one where the dad was selling all the shit they had a younger cassie and they had a younger lexi they could have did it. They chose not to. They chose to do this. They see uh, their father. Uh, they they see the worst times and they see happier times where where they they're dancing around and stuff like that later in the episode. But here they see him strung out on the bench. Nigga, hurry up and get that ice cream, nigga. Hurry up. But it's it's a juxtaposition of their fathers to Rue losing hers. Yeah. And I think that that was a that was a a cool little juxtaposition there. We flash back to Rue buying weed from Fezco. We see her downfall that Lexi witnessed. She witnessed her her friend down, you know, her downfall. She couldn't do anything about it mm-hmm. as she remembers a conversation they had on the roof of a uh, Fezco's store. Uh, she says Rue was the first person that made me feel okay about not being cool. And I, a really good moment here with, with Rue. I think some of her best acting, you know, honestly, that didn't involve yelling and screaming was her reacting to this part and saying. You know, I miss, you know, kind of like a longing, a missing of that moment yeah. between her and I, I like that a lot. It was it was really sincere. Yeah. The positivity from Rue just feels foreign at certain points. We want to see a whole lot more of it. Clearly, clearly, we want to see Rue get better and her going full heel and taking drugs and all that is celebrated on the timeline and everything's great. But when you see these types of positive things from Rue, just enjoying a play in areas where we see all around the room, Cassie is as Stern of a face as you can probably see in that entire room. Maddie has a little bit of an eyebrow up, although she's entertained. The mom is dying laughing, even though the mom could have been pissed of, of, of how she was uh um of how she was portrayed in the scene. But Rue just seemed to be really happy and just happy nostalgic for almost. Yeah. Happy for Lexi. I, I thought that she she really was happy. And and Maddie comes around and uh, obviously Cassie gets emotional in certain parts, but before that we get a flashback to, um, we get, we get a flashback to, uh, Rue and Gia from last episode. Again, no, again, Mark, I gotta say they're not leaving us. They're, they're throwing us into this shit. <laughs> they're literally just like, Oh yeah, this it's like, Sam was like, Oh yeah, we gotta, we gotta follow up with the Rue shit mm-hmm. from, from last episode. I completely forgot about that. I'm like, nigga, like, okay. So Gia asks, um, Rue, if she's concerned that, you know, the older she gets, they'll have less memories of, of their father. Um, and this goes right into the happier times with the Howards when their father was OK and they were all happy, which gets Cassie emotional. And, and Lexi laments on how different they became after this moment. Some very slick camera work on this scene. I really enjoyed it. But again, they're playing with time here. It's like, how how would they know or what what exactly is the audience seeing? Yeah. compared to what we're seeing. We yeah. don't know, you know, we have no context of, of what, you know, anyone's seeing here. Um and then we we get to uh we get to Cassie in the in the bathroom. This is her Emmy scene, Mark. This is the scene where Sam said you're going to win the Emmy for this one, so just do this right. 
is this is is this him? Is this him doing his specific booking? Because we already saw three three weeks ago, Gibson Day of the Emmy. Woo! Yeah, episode yeah. five. He clearly he has two people he wants to push. These are his. This is his Becky and in, in Charlotte right here. This is, <laughs> push and that's that's zendaya and that's that's sydney sweeney and when she's looking at that in the mirror and she's crying then she starts laughing through the pain that's her black swan natalie yeah. portman yeah that's her black swan right there and and i was like oh i get it like it's so transparent what's happening here and it's gonna be interesting to see if that actually bears fruit come emmy time because we are barely in march there's a lot of tv to go around <laughs> like mm-hmm. and a lot of TV that happened last last year is going to be nominated this year. I don't know. They're gonna to have to. <laughs> they're gonna to have to make a strong push. Yeah, they're gonna bang it out. They're gonna to have to make a strong push. But um, we get a flashback, uh, or flash forward, I guess, to like some the, with the scene you referenced earlier with the horn man shit, where he's again. They're they're his, my, the frustrating about this shit about this Cassie stuff is that they're making her like this Madonna, like the <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever heard of the. Um, let me make sure I'm getting it. I'm getting it right uh it's like a it's it's the madonna horror complex and it's like they they he has this thing with her where he you know whereas with cassie and i think i said this a couple episodes ago i would have loved for us to follow up on how she had an abortion and how she deals with that yeah and the pressure from that sure and instead we we get nothing you know they don't even they don't even take the father stuff seriously because it goes right back into her turning back into to you know seductive. She, yeah, it's 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 like there there they they use Cassie for sex like and and I it, this is another example she's used for sex stuff shock value she's been vomited on she's been she's had uh, the the nasty piss towel thrown panty, on her yeah the panties thrown oh was it the piss towel oh yeah the piss towel yeah yeah oh, towel. Yep, yep. and. But but like none of these like she's she's sexual, but she never gains any empathy or she never gains anything for this stuff or power, just, really or power. They just set her and they try and make it like powerful how she's telling Nate, like, you can never scare me and all this other stuff. I'm like, that's not powerful. That's still that that to me isn't is an empowerment to her. That That's just this is a man writing this, Mark. <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. This is a man writing this. And he is whiffing on this character that he could actually be getting some good stuff about. She lost her father. She's trying to find herself. She's in a bad relationship. Instead, they're doubling down on this sex stuff. And it's like, leave it alone, bro. Like, listen, she's she's a beautiful woman. As as beautiful as they are on this show. Yes. I, yep. That's not enough. <laughs> that, that ain't enough. I, I'm watching the show to be entertained. I, I could watch porn or something for, to see what he's trying to do. Got a you know what I'm saying? Got a question for you. Yeah. Laying down in that type of area. Oh man, that type. When Mark says that type of, I'm like, here it goes. Laying down in that type of area, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm just painting a picture. Little bit of seduction in your ear. Things fairly strong on the tension side. They start going and start telling you, please control whoever I talk to. How quickly do you um, disappear from that? That's conversation? later. That's later in the episode, but I'll answer it now. I'm saying, hold on, you okay? Is everything okay? <laughs> I'm not that type of guy. <clears throat> I, don't, I want you to do what you got to do. But they, but they, but they I, say, I, I want you to be. I don't want my friends to want to fuck you. That's, just, that, <laughs> that's, it, that's it. I'd be like, huh? <laughs> that's, that's another come on or cunt moment. That, that's just... <laughs> I don't want this. 
Who speak? That's the thing. That's another thing about Cassie. Who who talks like this? Who talk? This is weird. It's 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 so weird. Uh, so we're back to we're back to uh we're back to Fez, Lexi, and and Rue smoking weed. Uh, funny part with Lexi, she can't handle the weed, man. It's all about the weed, man. Uh, Lexi sees that 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 <clears throat> Fez still isn't there. His chair is so empty. But we're back to Fez's where Custer's setting up the play. He tells Faye to be cool and whisper something in her ear as Ashtray watches. This is a kind of unfair. The Fesco stuff was cool, but it was unfair to me this episode because it's like we know it's not going to get wrapped up tonight. Mm-hmm. We know this because and and it's also it's almost like you're not giving it a, a fair. This isn't to me. This isn't real build up. You putting this in between this play is not real. It 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 feels to me that like you know they wanted it to be like oh this is a cool juxtaposition because he's still not there and you want to know why. But we've all seen on the show that the, the, the payback is never immediate. So I knew it wasn't going to get wrapped up this episode. I was wondering why the nigga was so late. He didn't really seem occupied with anything beforehand. And I was like, hey, the play's going on and you're talking about, does my does my shirt look well, nice? Then you better hurry up. Well, no, they're playing with time because from what you're supposed to understand is this was happening before the play started. He wouldn't have been late, Mark. Mm. This was happening. So this is happening concurrently the play's going on but what we don't know like oh, what so he's doing- been absent that this shit could have happened well before okay exactly that's why this whole episode is weird how he's fucking with time yeah. it's like like it's not good writing <laughs> like it's like it's, it's like, hard yo. it's hard to view it in that sense because me it was me just jumping into it being like damn this thing is late you better chop chop talk about iron no. a shirt nigga put this shit in a fucking hurry up that's from what I understand. That stuff's not happening as it's happening. Yeah. What's gonna happen next episode is what was it's going why on. Why he's late? Yeah. Why he's late? Mm-hmm. This have clearly this play was at night. More than likely, he's still getting ready, and that's what. And I was like, oh, I was like, bro, I I felt like they could have left the the Fezco stuff to be a good angle. And it, it, tell me if you agree. In the, in the season finale, this would have been a good, and then you end on the Fezco thing and whatever else happens. I thought that would have been. That's a that's a home run because this Fesco thing has been being built since the first episode as far as his the repercussions of what he did in the finale of season one. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. Um, we uh we see that that uh they play a, a prank on Lexi. <clears throat> they draw a mustache on her, and, and Fesco says she looks like Bob Ross, and I was like, oh, that's where the ha- Halloween costume from last season comes up. Yeah. With the Bob Ross thing. Smart. I liked it. I mean, I, was, I'm, I'm surprised the shotgun. I'm surprised the shotgun had her leaning like that. God damn, it's a little smoke. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Lexi, it's a little shoddy shot. It's just like it, just like on on on, uh, on black print, man. I, like like we makes me sneeze, bro. It makes me sneeze. <laughs> that shit, that shit completely feels <laughs> a, a, a quick J five fact. <laughs> As I'm listening to J five and Josh record the black print, clearly Josh is hitting the loudest of loud, and the weed smoke is making five sneeze. I'm like, do you? Also sneeze like when you're cooking and when you're like smoking stuff, like smoking meats and oh. things like that. It's, it's just weed, bro. It's just weed. Huh. Don't judge me, my, my guy. I'm not, Don't judge me. No judge. I, I am I am judging the weakness on the shotgun though. Like, goddamn, Lexi. <laughs> so uh, you know, that 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 happens and you know, it it it, it was cute. I generally find the Lexi and, and Fezco stuff cute. It's like some of the, the best stuff that, that's going on here. Uh, but Lexi says that the drugs weren't escape for her, but more like a stimulant to her bad thoughts. It didn't, they didn't help her forget the bad thoughts. The bad thoughts only got worse. So Rue says that she hasn't, you know, we go back to Rue. She says she hasn't spoke to Jules since the intervention, but she said, it's funny how I thought we were meant for each other. Uh, she sees Jules, says, what's up? And Jules doesn't say anything back and they walk out, which, which gets us back to Rue's house. We don't know, again, Mark, we don't know when 
what time period when this scene's happening, but Leslie's talking to Rue. She's eating ice cream. And she says, Rue, you broke me. You really broke me. You want to kill yourself? Do it. She says, that's exciting. Being a crackhead? She says, I can't convince you that your life is important. She basically says, after you turn 18, I'm taking you off my plate. She's done. She says she's going to focus on Gia, who's been flunking in school, who, which Rue doesn't notice because she's so self-absorbed in her own self. She says Rue only thinks about herself. And she says, I mean, blunt, bluntly, if I have to choose between losing both daughters or saving one, I'm choosing Gia. Rue says, she says, remember when Nori said, deep revenge. And then he says, my bad. Deep reverence. Ah, my bad. My bad. That's Rue. Ah, my bad. Yeah. Hey, man. Watching a parent, a parent watching Euphoria, I give you all the props in the world. Because, boy, outside looking in, this shit looks nerve wracking. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad, man. It's it's a sad scene, but it was it's. But correct me if I'm wrong here again. Isn't it kind of weird that this scene is just in this episode, just like flailing, <laughs> like out in the open? I get y'all a little bit. Hey, watch this. Leslie like about this, to tell Rue, nigga. Episode, I'm about to save Gia. This episode is is supposed to be about Lexi, and it's still really not about Lexi. <laughs> it's, yep. it's really about her reacting. To everything that's gone on this season, yep. and this this next part is is pretty much it. So it's like Lexi talks about a time when Maddie had to move in with them. She says she was so sure of herself that I didn't trust her. There was a point where Maddie moves over to Cassie's bed as they console each other about their parents fighting because that's the reason why Maddie had to do that. Uh, and and they they cry and and you know it, you you tend you you see that Maddie's not only or wasn't only just a sister to Cassie but she was to Lexi as well. She gave her advice and, and helped her out in her own life. Mm. And uh, we get the flashback. I'm not going. I'm not going to argue because I'm not going to get through this. <laughs> I'm not going to argue, but we get a flashback to the night where Rue told Cassie, and we, we, you know, we had a we had our whole conversation about how they got away from that scene. Yep. Why would you wait two episodes to give us this the the feedback at this point? I don't know about you. I don't care about what happened at that point now because we're too far ahead yeah, of it. That exactly. Was, it's past it. We know Cassie yeah, feels like shit. I don't care about it anymore. So we flashback. She said, "You know, Maddie was devastated. You're a fucking coward." She says. And she walks out of the house while Cassie's behind the door, feeling extremely guilty. At that point, you know, uh, we get the sex scene with Cassie and Nate, and 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 fake cat redoing the cat shit from season one, but it's not Barbie because, of course, Barbie can't do anything. She's 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 been sidelined. Uh, we, we're at juxtaposition here because you see Nate sees himself in the mirror. It's supposed to be Ethan though, who's playing Nate as Jake in the actual play. Yeah, sees Maddie. Turns around, it's Jules. Turns around, Cassie's on the ground. Replay to season one where Cal was ripping open Jules's stuff, and then as Cal lays down, it's he's laying down on Nate. Confirms what I believed they were trying to imply last season. I don't know if a lot of people caught onto that. Obviously, people were like, "Oh my god, that was weird," but it was to let people know that Nate had been assaulted. Yeah, Nate had been sexually assaulted by Cal. That's where the darkness came from. Interesting. I'll give you kudos for that. It was it, it was a little sleepaway camp. Mark, you got to watch that movie one day. But um, it it was like I thought it was it was interesting. I, it was a weird way to reveal it. They're they're clearly angling for the Nate face turn here. Would you agree with me? Yeah, I'm not buying it. Um, I did think that the scene was actually really shot well. I actually got really interested in the fact that they literally shot Cassie's head hitting 
the bed the same way that they got Jules. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, whoa, what are they trying to say? I, I immediately saw it because it was just shot the exact same way. Yeah. And it's getting ripped. And I'm like, well, that's not Jules' ass because this is a little bit different. So yeah. is this going to go into an area where Nate does the same thing with Cassie? Because this might feel a little bit forced. This might be a little bit awkward and a little bit tough to watch. But then you see yeah. Cal's face and it ends up yeah. being Nate on that bed and i said oh shit but again it's like it could have still been this they could have still just redid this the jewels thing and just put the scene in there it didn't have to be cassie's ass <laughs> it didn't have to be her ass hashtag sam I mean, hashtag sam. sam baby when you're his muse you were his fucking muse bro and, and you know what I, I will i will say as we as we talk about that we're talking about how he's propping up cindy sweeney to get that emmy I enjoyed a lot of Alexa Demi, not only this season, but in this episode as well. Alexa has been nice. She's good. She's showing a lot of range. Yeah. Listen, if I was her, I'd be like, I'm taking, I'm getting my acting back. I'm getting my acting on now. I'm off this shit. She don't need the show. Probably not. No. Need the show. I mean, if it's not going to do right. It's going to be hard to, it's going to be hard to find a new Maddie. I don't know if anybody does Maddie the same way that Alexa does, which is. I don't, be, think recast, I don't think they'll recast. I think they'll just write her off. Just write her off. We'll be good in the, in the next season. And I think we'll, we'll have our predictions for season three. Yeah. But I think it would be good for them to, to rotate the kids and have new kids in and, and rotate them out. As they get older. Think, sure. Yeah. I think it'll be fine. Keep this, keep the principal characters there, which looks to me, they would, they would only be keeping. Uh, Hunter and Zendaya. Hunter, Zendaya, Sydney. Uh, Sydney, Jacob, and Maud. I think those those are kind of your principal. The rest of them don't didn't matter this season. Yeah, am I wrong? I mean, the, the rest of them didn't matter. <clears throat> um, we see uh, Jules destroy the disc again. That's just flailing. <laughs> we could have got that. That's just another story point. Is flailing. If you looked down and looked up, you would have missed that part. Yeah. Uh, we see, we also see another flailing scene. We don't know if Lexi's seen any of this stuff because we're just getting scenes out of context. In, in terms of the framing of this play because the scene doesn't does because the, the way that it works the scenes will go into a part on the play but that's not what was happening with all of the scenes mm-hmm. like it's like, we don't know what people knew so we see her talking to samantha uh and, and maddie and samantha are talking on the bleachers and she says something interesting where, where it's like yo do did you tell everybody yet or did you tell them yet and it's seeming like maddie's gonna uh, am i reading this wrong maddie's leaving that maddie's gonna be switching schools or something like that I didn't really read too deep into that. You know, that's interesting. And that also feeds into what we just talked about for the past couple of minutes. If Maddie does leave, it kind of feeds into what we've talked about for the past couple of weeks. At a certain point in time, and we saw that when Alexa, well, excuse me, when Maddie ended up talking to Cassie and saying, yo, when does this shit end? Yeah. Like Nate is killing me and now you're feeding it like this. I need peace. And you kind of saw that when she was babysitting looking over the entire skyline of los angeles probably realizing yo this shit is taxing i probably need to get the fuck out of here but we don't know that yet because from what we see the person that she now confides in now that she has lost her best friend is not only cat which we see in certain areas but she gained samantha after last week yeah um we get to the main, the main event, the finale of the play. Everybody get, get in fucking positions. Uh, and this is the outing of Nate. I would love to hear your thoughts on this after I recap this part. But um, she's outing Nate and the football team. Lexi finds out that Fez never got his ticket. But we go back to Fez, Fezco's house. Astray's clutching the knife, staring Custer up and down. And that's where we kind of leave it at <clears throat> for this episode. We, we won't know what happens until next episode. Hmm. Um, 
Nate clutching his damn fist, boy. But they they have okay. So, Nate, Nate clutching his goddamn fist. It's boy. wrong to laugh. It's wrong. To, it's wrong to laugh. But it's also right to laugh because it's fucking Nate. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, no fan of Nate, but this ain't no way. And I know this show is over the top. I'm looking up at the sky. I know. Don't don't get on me. I'm just just a criticism. <laughs> this would have never flown. This was like some of the most kind of like Lexi's not. Lexi don't like Nate, but there was and probably smarter. There were probably smarter ways for her to do this as a character than to possibly out him in front of the school and call him, call him gay. And my and, and my original thought, and I ended up texting this to you was. Okay, so for the past couple of years, Lexi's had the hunch because she doesn't have anything concrete. She doesn't have any direct conversations with Maddie. She doesn't have anything that she has went into too much detail with with Cassie because clearly for the past couple of days, all the all the conversations she can have with Cassie is Cassie crying and screaming. She doesn't really have anything co- concrete to say that Nate, yes, is gay. Yeah. So it's all assumption. How would she know? Exactly. So in my eyes, one, how do you know? Two, how many other people here in East Highland have just had the assumption that Nate is gay. And we get this entire thing that shows the big macho locker room scene felt really eighties. Everybody's pumping iron and doing X, Y, and Z. That's the only thing that you could really think of or attach to Nate being that type of way is him being the huge muscular jock, which he's not really completely ro- roided out big macho macho jock so you can't really get too deep into detail like how she showed it in that play but what gave her the indication that nate was gay we kind of don't see that because then you're implying that people who play football all people who play football are gay yeah it's a weird slippery slope that i'm i'm kind of shocked that sam wrote like that he's kind of thrown a lot of the lgbt stuff out the window this season in, in terms of just how he wrote jules how he wrote how a lot of this stuff got thrown out, but this is like some kind of the ickiest and most damning stuff I've seen. Like you got people shooting off water, the choreography of men humping each other. Ethan's like, grabbing two balls. Yeah, it's like from what we know, and I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I guess it's clear. Like, like Lexi seems to be a, a heterosexual female, right? Like she seems to be pretty. She's she's cisgender. Like she she's she look sure. you know, yeah. It's imp- heavily implied that she is. So it's, it's just weird that she's writing it, writing this. And that's the one thing I'll give Nate when he stormed off and said, this is fucking homophobic. I said, no, it's not Kev. It's not Kev, but God damn it. I'm gritting my teeth. I'm saying, fuck, it's not Kev. It's the the face turn that I don't like here. It's like, okay, Nate again gets his comeuppance. Yeah. But it's it's a term where it's like you're bombing him with the comeuppance where you're starting to go, you're going to start to feel bad for him. Yeah. You're going to start to be, okay, that was wrong because this is the first time we can actually say, first time, Mark, that was kind of wrong. That was kind of <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, that was the one. That was the one time they didn't make kind of green. Yeah, like that. That was fucked up. And again, but that's what the writing is showing you. They want Nate to be a redeemable character because remember they said everyone's capable of love. So now we're saying, okay, Nate was Nate was molested potentially. Nate had a had an abusive relationship at home. This is where it is. Don't you feel bad for talking shit about him now? What's funny is all the girl, all the girls know. So Maddie could have had a sit. She's looking up like, damn, nigga, was it was it for real? Cat's like, damn, nigga, for real. Rue's looking over like, oh shit, he's about to get slayed. Jules is looking over like, boy, you are so fucked. And Nate is just, and Cassie's like, how the fuck 
Could you? But Nate doesn't give a shit about any of that because his immediate reaction is, yo, this is your sister. So for all he knows, Cassie could have told him some type of bullshit. But he doesn't care about any of that right now. Storms off. And we get left with what we get left with. Yeah. And we're left with a really uh, Variety put out an article literally as soon as the show ended about the the whole thing. Uh, Maud did an interview with Variety about it. This sequence, this scene took three days to film that that, so, that entire piece that ending chalk another one up to the daily beast being right about the way this show's production was going <laughs> chalk another one up to it because mark you got to remember the cast had to sit in those seats for three days three whole days of shooting this scene with the choreography and they had to do reaction shots too and she talks about that this was maude's idea and she went to sam and said I used to do theater. Let me riff on this. And Sam said, okay. Mm-hmm. And let her do the scene. Listen, choreography was pretty good. Was this scene necessary? No, it wasn't. Was it necessary over Fezco development, cat development, anything else? No, it wasn't worth it. Was it, was it worth it to, to again, put Lexi development in the back burner to embarrass Nate? Absolutely not worth it. Was the play nice? <laughs> you feel me? Play, play must. <laughs> That's what Bobby's asking. Y'all niggas like to play. <laughs> Lexi's a genius. Lexi's such a fucking genius. What y'all niggas think? Hey. That's where we that's where we ended. We see Cassie is told to get her shit and get out of Nate's house. He's done. He's finished. He's over with. Because obviously, it's not that this was joking. Nate, it's that it triggered him a whole from whole fucking lot. The abuse that he took as a child that we're just now getting to in episode seven. This was something you could have introduced earlier or in his flashback. They just so happened to leave that out. Or while Cal's pissing on the floor. In episode one of last season, when we found out who he was. To be continued as Cassie goes to the door and has a crazed look on her face. Boy, so that was Wait, listen. We know Cassie ain't about that hey, life. So, so. no, hey, <laughs> but hey, if it is going to be really damning if the first time Cassie's about it is to her sister. That's gonna be the. That's gonna be real damning. If that's the first time you want to throw hands. Make it, make it, make it, make it, mink, mink, mink. You fucking bitch, mink. Over with. You're going to get your jaw rocked. That's all I will say. And Kat, and Kat going to be behind you because that's all she's she going to get you and catching you as you fall backwards, bro. That's hey, all she's going to do. I don't know if Maddie's going to let that ride. Maddie's going to be like, you stupid fucking bitch. Bow! Bow! So, episode eight, season finale, next week. The, the next time on doesn't really <clears throat> show us a bunch of what's gonna happen but what are your predictions of next episode and euphoria well funny enough euphoria ended up tweeting out that episode eight and they deleted it after a couple of minutes the comments that came underneath that was i know y'all did not spoil this and it shows fez on the ground people have already detailed this in full full detail off just this one and a half seconds that you see a fez in blood, next blood, week's trailer blood, blood on his blood, blood on the floor him Mouth open, yeah, things bloody. that people feared. He's he's clearly in handcuffs, but um, yeah, it doesn't immediately mean death. It doesn't mean he got shot and he's dead. His eyes are not completely closed. 
And it's yeah. resting and it's rest in peace, Fez. Anything could have happened with him on the floor. There's one, there's one spoiler, two spoilers from the season finale that we have not been able to confirm, but seem to be Wait, 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 wait. Before, before you say that, let's give a complete spot. If you don't want to hear this, fast forward them 30 seconds, because we we ain't responsible. Hey, Mark, do you want to hear it? I'll hear it. Why not? I don't know if you want to hear. I'll do it if you want to hear. If you want to, if you don't want to hear the spoilers, it's our first time doing spoiler talk. Um, do you want to? You want to count this, Mark? Do you want to? I'll, I'll bring the timer up. Hold on, let me let me bring the timer up so we can do spoilers. Quick spoiler. This is the first we time Mark at, has ever spoilers. We are at the one hour and eight minute mark directly on the dot right now. So we're giving people that are listening fair warning. I'm gonna bring my stopwatch up. Okay, I'm gonna bring my stopwatch up. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a thirty. Can I do a thirty second? No, I'll just do a thirty second on a stopwatch. Okay, so. If you don't know, oh timer, 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 30 seconds, 30 seconds on the timer. Hold on, hold on. Zero, 30 seconds on the timer. If you don't want to hear it, do your 30 seconds starting now. So the general idea from that, the spoilers right now is that uh, Ashtray will die and <laughs> and Fez will get caught and that Elliot is going to go into overdose. Oh, man. Damn, all that? You you won't care about Elliot. That's all next week? Damn, an OD and a, sh- and a death? No, two you deaths. Care about- Fuck, you two won't. deaths next week. There we go. Okay, so there we are. There we are. We're done. We're done. We're done. Oh, that- man. That was a spoiler. We're done. So, Green Award for this episode. That's actually a very good question. Kind of want to give it to Lexi, man. Kind of want to give it to Lexi, man. Three minutes of out and somebody is gay and you don't really have any concrete evidence. Green. green. No one else had really had an opportunity to be green this episode. So it had to be Lexi. No, nah, Rue Ru was kicking back. Jules was kicking back. Even, even as I rolled my eyes as Rue saying, hey, man, what's up to Jules after I knew she was capped three weeks ago. That's not enough to warrant you another green award. Uh, <laughs> Cassie is going through so much shit and I completely don't buy her going full 2001 Triple H staring Austin seething and completely angry. Um, Cal wasn't even here. Fez wasn't even there. Faye wasn't even there. Well, could it be Faye? Because Faye is clearly letting all this shit ride with these. There's not enough yeah. context. Yeah, I think I think it's Lexi, yo. I think it's Lexi, man. Lexi got the green award this week. First time, man. Well, she knew she was going to be green. That's why she was talking to Fez like, yo, I'm about to do some green ass shit. And Fez was like, well, man, there's Sounds a word like about a- that. That fucker. Uh, what was we talking about again? Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Josh Josh on the black print this, this week on the Patreon. <laughs> Very interesting. That's a very interesting opinion on Fesco. <laughs> not a part of the, the Black Print Patreon. Make sure you put the five down and hear that. Yes. It's coming out early. Um, but yeah, so that was this episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little something a little bit different. They they played the the main theme for one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Cannibal Holocaust. At the end, uh, never don't put that on your queue. It's it's don't don't do it. Yep. But I'm gonna play that. I'm gonna play this out. So uh, again, man, thank you guys for listening to Overly Medicated. We got one more week. <sighs> Season of finale. The show. Amen. It is what it is, man. It was worth the wait. It's worth the wait, man. We're we're gonna talk, we're gonna give our we're gonna give our our, our our season review, and we're going to basically give our uh, our thoughts on on everything that's happened. We're gonna give our season three predictions, and we're gonna try and get a guest on the next episode. We're not gonna try. I already talked to him. He said he's gonna do it. So we're gonna have a guest. And we're gonna <laughs> recap the season finale. 
so yeah, make sure you follow us at OG Johnny Five and at My Man MC and at RNC Radio Live for all of the latest and greatest on Overly Medicated. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't subscribed already to RNC Radio Watch, where we have this show firmly planted on the ground. So until next week, we got one more week, we all. Thanks for being with us. Stay safe. See you later. Peace.